And so with that, I would invite Pastor John Sapp to come up. He'll be sharing with us this morning. Um, for those of you who have been with us for a little while, um, you'll remember John. He was our interim pastor back in, we were talking about this, 2018. Right. Kind of one of those things, it seems like it was just yesterday, but yet it seems like a little while ago at the same time. Um, John has been a long time, I'll say member, I don't know what a better term is, but a worker with the Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptists, which is an organization that our church belongs to. But they, they definitely give our church a lot of leadership and guidance, and during our, our pastor search period, that was definitely something I was thankful for. So thank you for your role in that, too. Ben, ben. good to be with you. Well, church family, good to see you again. Uh, I want to begin by saying I'm by myself. Usually Priscilla is here. For those of you who were, you know, when we were with you years ago, can you believe that? Say 18. I hadn't put the numbers to it until this morning. But, um, and the reason why is our grandkids from Central Asia are here. Uh, I've got three that are with Priscilla. Our, the oldest one is down in Wichita. Uh, he's going to be a senior in high school next year. And so living in Central Asia, uh, you know, that's, that's his world. And so to get ready for college, to come home, get a job, he's painting houses and that means he's up in the morning at uh, 6 o'clock, and Grandpa likes that, and goes, and you know he's working with the team. And here's been a really fun, I didn't tell the first service this, um, he speaks one of the Persian languages. He's in that part of the world. And so the group of guys he's painting with, there's a guy from Iran who's just come to the States, and uh, he's able to work. And so every day... Ethan is using his Tajik, speaking to an Iranian who speaks Dari, and teaching him how to paint. And the guy was a painter back in his country. And so it's just been good that that little world that he had there is still here, and he's getting to invest in his life. And uh, so Ethan is you know, getting to trust the Lord to speak to Obed. Obed's his name. Obed uh, for the next couple of weeks before he finishes and get ready to go back to school. So good to be with you. One of the changes that has happened uh, to Priscilla and I is we're in a new chapter. Uh, Ryan mentioned that I did work with, you know, we were overseas for 28 years, served in Zambia and Kenya, and that was a great chapter of life, but then came home in 09 and worked with the collegiate ministries, and the churches in Kansas and Nebraska for 10 years. But two years ago, started a new chapter, and I call it, we call it retirement, but it definitely has not been that, because what that's done is that has given me something that I've really appreciated, and that is I'm not traveling on the weekends like I used to. So we're in a church. Isn't that interesting? And so COVID, while it was, you know, COVID was COVID, it gave me a new chapter with some guys in our church because our church, some of you might know our pastor, Grant, Grant English, his son had cancer at the very beginning of COVID. And so Grant and his wife could not be exposed to COVID and then be with the boy while he was going through all that chemo because that would, it could be fatal. So our church really did close down. We did video. Grant preached to us 
using the screens, and I don't know your church's history, but you know there were some guys in our church that said, screens are okay, it's good to be, but we've got to be together. And so just after the COVID thing got started, they said, well, we're going to meet together on Sunday afternoon, and we're going to circle up, we're going to put our chairs far apart, but we're going to be under these trees at our church, and that was a group that they asked me to come and said, why don't you come join us? Well, I got to do something with that group. I asked them, can I do something with you that I used to do in Africa? They said yes, and so we storied together the book of John. And guess what? What works in Africa worked in Topeka underneath the tree, and that's just hearing God's word and then applying that to life. And so this morning when Jason was sitting there, you know, for years, 28 years on the field in Africa, 10 years working with churches for a lot, I mean, that's 38 years, primarily I've been around men that are in the ministry. And men with ministry, we had all kinds of issues we dealt with, but you know what, the guys under the tree, we call ourselves the garage boys now because they've never gone inside, we don't go inside. In the summertime, we meet outside on a patio or under trees, or in the wintertime, we've got one of the guys that's got a really nice heated garage, and we meet in the garage. And so we just never go inside. That's just kind of the, this little group. But that group is made up of an engineer that runs a train from Kansas City, Chicago, uh, a prosecuting attorney, a retired doctor, a guy that works at Home Depot, uh, the chief mechanic of the Topeka Fire Department, uh, the guy who has the fire dog. There's only 25 fire dogs in America, and this guy does the one in Kansas where that dog can discover any petroleum product that started a fire. So he's the investigator. He works police and fire department. So these are real guys. And so on Sunday night, we talk about life, real life. And it's just, for me, I, I tell people, it's kind of the adrenaline of my week. Uh, one of the guys is, I mean, what we do is we live life together. And we've been together long enough that we, we trust each other. And one of the guys, I mean, he's going through a son that's made some decisions that were not good decisions. And right now, he's really struggling with health. And just to walk alongside of that dad who's loving on his son the best he can, and uh, other guys, you know, they're one of the fellows is so busy. 80 hour a week is his schedule. 80 hours a week he's at work. And so how, do I, how does he maintain a good marriage? I mean, how do he and his wife, you know, stay together? I mean, relate well together. And so I've just enjoyed that piece of our new chapter in life. Because before... I couldn't commit to something every week, same time, same place, because of the job that I had. I was working in Nebraska and Kansas, and I'd be on the road. So it's just been a good new chapter. And so part of what we studied is what I want to share with you today. So if you've got your Bibles, I understand from Garen that uh, you've been doing Psalms. We're going to do the 20th or Psalm 20 today. Have a look at it. And I discovered this, I mean... Actually, I've read the Psalms, but I'd never taken Psalm 20 apart 
until it was with the Garage Boys a couple of months ago. And so I told Garen, I said, Garen, I want to do Psalm 20. And so Psalm 20, a little background of Psalm 20 and 21, is we consider God with us. It's, there's very few of these, but it's called a royal psalm. It's a psalm that was written by David, but it was written where the, the community talks to the leader and commits him, it blesses him, and prays over him. And then the leader responds back with what he believes, what he's experienced in God's faithfulness. And then last verse, verse 9, is where all together, everyone prays one short prayer to God. And so what I want to do with you all today is we're going to do this like they did it in the Old Testament. You are going to speak to a leader. Well, I learned Garen's not here today, so I've asked Ryan, Ryan, if you'll come on up. And you heard Ryan say he's one of the deacons in the church, but uh, he didn't say he's the, I think, chairman? No. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, okay. You know, I think Garen told me, but maybe I, because he said, anyway, one of the deacons. So here's a leader. And you all, didn't we just hear a few minutes ago that these guys look over the need of the church and they say, we need someone working with children. I mean, that's just one example of what you do. As you give, ins- I mean, oversight, you know issues in the church, you and Garen work together to give leadership to this body of believers that are here. And so, here's how we're going to do it. It's going to be on the screen, and you're going to see two screens that are us, the congregation we're going to pray over, we're going to bless, we're going to do a benediction over the leaders of the church. And Ryan's the guy we're going to talk to. After verse 5, we stop and he talks to us about what he believes, what God is doing. And then in verse 9, all of us, Ryan and all of us have one sentence, or it's two sentences, one short little part, where we pray to God out of Psalm 20, verse 9. So, there it starts. Let's read together as we bless the leaders of this church. Here we go. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save. May the king answer us when we call. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Well, doing something together that uh, was done 1,500 years ago, 
where the leader would know in a day of trouble, maybe it's a battle, maybe they're facing something, that the, the group get around the leader and they bless him. They pray those seven verbs over the leader. And so what I want to do is I want to take apart that blessing and then I will take apart the response that the leader gives back because what I believe this psalm does is it's an example and it helps us be a, a unified body of Christ. And why that's important for leadership and those of us that are meeting together to be in harmony of God with us and what he's up to, I believe that will carry us through difficult times. While I was in Tanzania, I was responsible for our missionaries in that country. We had about 150 of them. And every year, we'd all get together. And it was a week-long meeting, and I would call it, it's kind of like the county fair. It's kind of like church business meeting. And it's kind of like a family reunion, all put together. So we lived together for a week. Uh, usually, it was up in the central part of Tanzania, a pretty rustic little place. But uh, it was a good time. And so this one year, like every when we finish, it's in the middle of our summer, it's our cold season over there, it's vacation time. And so families would usually pair up or, you know, they'd decide what do we want to do with the kids? School's out, the, the boarding school in Kenya was on break, and so families would do stuff. And so on this one year, we had a medical doctor, he and his wife and their 10-year-old daughter, along with one of her little friends, and then another couple, our pilot and his wife, said they were going to go back to the coast and enjoy, they are going to enjoy the coast, spend some time in the ocean. And so as they were driving across from where we were to the, to the coast, something happened. Now, I'm going to try to be appropriate as I talk about this. In Africa, we don't have filling stations like you're used to. In Africa... There's no McDonald's on the side of the road. Where we were is they are driving through a game park. That means nothing. You left Oringa until you get to Morogoro, nothing. So when you're driving four hours through the bush, you know, sometimes we just need an appropriate stop. And so the rule is girls on the right, guys on the left. Make sense? Are we together? That's so why they did that. They stopped. And the doctor, I, we even talked to him about it, he was just a little bit further away from the group. And as he was coming back out of the bush, the elephant grass, now, that part of Africa, the grass is taller than you are. It's over our heads. So you don't see anybody. And so as he was coming back to the road, what he heard was another car, a van had pulled her, RAV4 pulled up behind him, and everybody was in the car, and these guys got out with guns. And they stole the truck with the others in the truck. And so Dr. Harrington, he's there, and he sees his wife, his daughter, their good friend, and the other couple, two, take off down the highway. Well, he's out in the middle of a game park. You don't, you're not in a game park by yourself. Because in the game park, that's where lions and hyenas, there's stuff in that game park you do not want to be around when you're not in a vehicle. But he was able to catch a ride, went back into Morogoro, and 
got word out that my family's been taken, they're hostage. We, we don't know anything about it. Now, this drive, that game park is about as big as from Topeka to Wichita. And there's only one paved road right through the middle of it, which is what they were on. But now there's just a network of dirt, gravel, bush roads to get people who want to go to the game park off into that. So we have no idea where that, that Land Rover with our missionaries is at. That happened in the afternoon. Before sunset, we got word. The Land Rover had been rolled, and two of the guys in the Land Rover were killed. And it was a bad accident. They, didn't, they took the curve as a sand road. They took the curve too tight, and the vehicle rolled and killed two of them. No missionaries. Where are the missionaries? Now, I want you to know what this psalm wants to do, we got to do, and that is we got connected. We heard, I was back up in Nairobi, I was at another meeting and heard that the Harringtons, that group of people, had been taken hostage. We don't know where they are. The vehicle, we found the vehicle. There two of the guys, there was one that didn't die. Two of the guys were killed. And so we spent all night praying for God to protect and whatever. And we, have an air, we had an airplane at that time in Tanzania, and so the pilot, the one pilot was in, was in the car. He's taken hostage. We had another one that got that plane and got up, and we're, we're circling. Just imagine, circle from Topeka to Wichita, and you're trying to find something in the bush. And so the leader, Frank, got all of us together. I wish, uh, we never took pictures of this. Now, you all, Tanzania is a country where you hunt for your meat. Okay? Game parks mean there's lots of wild animal, and that's those guys, that's how you feed your family. So Cape Buffalo or, you know, all the eland, all the animals that we've got in Africa. Well, that means most men have got a gun. They've got a hunting rifle. Probably shouldn't say this, but they were, they were equipped. They were looking, and they didn't know, the guys that were out running around didn't know that the car had been wrecked. So they're looking for that vehicle out in the bush and doing all that. So Frank got us together at sundown and prayed that God protect our missionaries. Well, the next morning, our pilot was doing his circle thing over the roads, and he looked down. He had a Tanzanian with him, and they looked down, and they saw clothing. Now, in the village, there's no washers and dryers. Nobody's got a washer and dryer. So you do your washing, and you put your clothes out on the grass. And Mike Kanata, the pilot, said, we're in a game park. That's an and what's washing doing out in the bush? And so he went down, and there they are. They're laid out. They'd been drugged. And they slept through the night in a game park where hyenas are active at night. All five of them are just fine. Now, after we got them back into the group, we got all, everybody back together. And I want you to know that what this psalm talks about, we experienced. So let's take it apart. Let's look at verses 1 through 5 to see that prayer of blessing that David wrote for us to pray over leaders, over people we care for. How do we pray? So the first sentence says, may the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. That's the prayer, God answer us. 
And then he gives us seven verbs to ask the Lord for. Here's how I want you to answer. I want you to answer by defending us or protect us. I want you to answer by sending help. I want you to answer us as you strengthen us, support us. I want you to answer because you remember the sacrifice we've made and you accept that commitment we've done. And I want you to answer us by granting our request and fulfilling what we desire. Now you take those seven verbs and you just think about the impact of praying that over a leader. I've realized that it doesn't have to be the general. You know, I told you about my grandson. After discovering this psalm, Ethan's going to go back. Ethan and his four, his three siblings, my four grandkids, are going to go back to Central Asia the very first of October. And when they go, my daughter, son-in-law, and the kids are there. I want you to know as grandpa, I already know what I'm going to do on the day we go to the airport. I'm going to pray those five verses over my family. I'm going to trust that God answers the prayers, that he would defend them. He'd send help when they need it. He'd strengthen them and give them support. He'd remember their commitment. He'd accept what they've committed to do. He would grant their requests, and he would fulfill their lives with his blessing and presence. Now, that gives every one of us some prayer guidance of what we can do with people that we care for. You know, we prayed that for our church leadership. I think regularly, pray that over Garen in your time alone with the Lord. Flip over to Psalm 20 and just go down those five verses and ask the Lord to bless in, as he's outlined there in Psalm 20, 1 through 5. Now, I told you about Ethan because verse 6 Remember, we heard Ryan. The psalmist talks from his perspective. I don't know if this year I'll talk to Ethan about Ethan. What did you experience? But I will tell you, if I, not if, I am going to pray that over my family, then as time goes on, I'm going to ask Ethan, Ethan, what did you experience? How did the Lord answer? Because I believe God's going to answer. That prayer that, I mean, I'm just praying scripture over my family. How did he answer? Well, let's see. Let's now look at verses 6 through 8 to see how David answered. There's three things in, in that section, verses 5 through 8. It's David's confession of his faith and his trust in God. So first thing is the verb, I know. I know that the Lord saves his anointed. I know that he will answer with his saving might. And so to hear a leader say, well, you've prayed for me, trusting God to do this. May he do these seven things over me. I want you to know, as the leader responds, I know he does. I know God saves, and I know that he sends, he sends the power, he answers with that saving might that I need. So I know by experience what God has done. Not only do I know, I trust him. I love this, this verse because some do trust in chariots 
Some do trust in horses. Y'all, what's going on in Europe right now? In the country of Ukraine? I tell you, there's an awful lot of people trusting in chariots and all of what they do. But I do believe that God is up to something in the world right now uh, with a people that are much, much smaller that are being attacked consistently by a much larger power who are trusting in horses and chariots. I don't know the end of the story, but I do know that God is faithful. And Gregory and Kim, wherever you are, there you are. I was looking over here. You guys moved. You know that the church in the Ukraine had grown after their independence. Our work in Ukraine is significant. We have a seminary that's there. The number of committed believers that are in that country, it's one of, it's a large group of European believing people in Ukraine, and many of them have stayed. The pastors are there working in that war-torn country. I don't know the end of the, well, no, we do know the end of the story. I just don't know when the end of the story is going to unfold. But believing what David wrote, some trust in chariots and horses, but we, we are the ones who trust in the name, the character, the nature of our Lord, our Lord God. We trust him. We know him. We know that he saves. We know he answers. We trust him in the name of the Lord. And then the third thing that David said, he said, some people fall down, collapse. But we, we, we rise up and we stand upright. Now, church family, sometimes it's, we get things that, I mean, what's going on in Ukraine? They, believe me, they're going to get tired. And that some of them are tempted to stay down. I don't want to stand up. But David says, no, we are a people who no matter what, we stand up again and we stand strong against what's coming at us because we know the God who we are standing upon. And so we hear that out of the heart of the leader. You have a leader whose heart's like that talking to the the group, the congregation who has a heart praying over him, do you see how God wants to knit together us as the body of Christ to reveal to a, a world that doesn't have hope, the kind of hope we have, that walking with a God who is with us is worth it. And so as that leader responds to the blessing and the prayer of those people, then it ends with the last sentence. And that last sentence is, O Lord, save. We all cry out, oh, Lord, save. May the king answer us when we call. And so the way that Psalm 20 gives us guidance, gives us insight on how to be a community of faith, I believe equips us, gives us a tool to use. And so as we close this morning, the conclusions that I think are there. First of all, God is dynamically active with his people. From David to today, God's way is he is active with us. He is not a long ways away. He is with us. 
and we can trust him. He answers prayer. He sends protection, provision, and power. God receives our worship when we shout for joy and we put up those banners that say, our God saves. And finally, he gives victory. And so Psalm 20 equips us with a way to bless those leaders, significant people in our lives. It gives us a way to respond back when we've been prayed over and blessed. And it finally reminds us of God, you are the one who answers, oh Lord, save. Well, as I was reading on Psalm 20, many of the Many of the guys that write, you know, the scholars, say that this psalm was, was done before the battle. But some say, oh no, this is a psalm that we read after the battle's over. And it dawned on me, I have a king. And I think many of you in this room do too. We know his name. It's King Jesus. And so... What I've done, and I want to recommend to you, pray Psalm 21 through verse 5 to the Father about Jesus. May the Lord answer him in the day of trouble. May the name of our God of Jacob protect him. And may he send him help from the sanctuary and give him the support that he needs from Zion. May God remember all of the offering that he gave us and regard him with favor for his sacrifice. Father, may you grant your son's heart's desire, fulfill all of his plans, because we're going to shout for joy because of that salvation. We are going to, in the name of our Lord, we're going to set up banners and may the Lord fulfill all that he petitioned. Now, you all remember in Mark 12, Jesus was headed to Gethsemane. And he had the 11 disciples. Judas is already gone. He's out bringing the ones that are going to take Jesus captive. And in Mark 12, Jesus brings Peter, James, and John closer to him. And he says, will you guys stay here with me and pray? Right now, my heart is broken almost to the point of death of what I'm facing. Now, I don't want to point any kind of finger at Peter, James, and John. I mean, those are godly men. But they were tired and they were sleepy. And they did. They slept. Jesus is praying by himself. But you know what? We can now, we know the end of the story. I'm not tired. You're not tired. But to pray that in your mind with him as he's preparing to give his sacrifice for us. And then, after you do that, let him speak to you out of verses 6 through 8. And read those as he would be talking to you. I think it will encourage your heart. And so to end our time, I want us to do it again, to have this reading. So Ryan, come on, back up front. And now hearing a bit about Psalm 20, let's read it like we did the first time. But I think those words might have a little bit more, I hope, meaning 
as we pray over our leadership, as our leadership responds back about our leadership's position, belief about the Lord, and then in verse 9, we all say it together. And so, let's read together. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. And may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O oh Lord, save. May the King answer us when we call. Church family, I hope Psalm 20 can be a blessing to you in the future. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that years and years ago, you inspired David to give us a way to bless those around our lives, those that need. They need to hear from you. They need to be protected. They need to receive all that you give them in a day of trouble or in the parts of life. And Father, we pray that as we live life together as a community, as your body here in Emporia and beyond, that, Father, you could be reflected through us in a way that people know that you are real. And so, Father, thank you for your word. We want you to know that we want to walk with you in a way that reflects you in us. First, in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, 12th Avenue, it's been good to be with you again, and uh, I do know that tomorrow night it was announced there's going to be a prayer time, uh, praying about Tuesday, and I do hope that uh, you make your way to a polling place if you can, and you make a decision, you share what you believe about life, and praying this, these first five verses over the leadership of our state as we are making a pretty, uh, a very significant decision about how we're going to go forward in our state dealing with life. And I believe that's life of an infant, of a fetus, and life of mothers, life for all people. That's what he wants to do. Well, church, it's been good to be with you, and as I always like to end, go be the church. <laughs>